prayers before we ate, that there are some things um, in, in her heart, and I know we could probably all identify with this very thing, whether you have been called to a full-time position or there's just some things rolling around in your heart. How many of you know when God leads you, he doesn't tell you everything all at once? Amen. Uh, I'm reminded of when uh, it was time for uh, Samuel to go anoint David to be king in Saul's place. And Samuel, the prophet, you know, when he went, uh, the Lord said, I- I've called you. I said, J- just go to Jesse's house and anoint one of his sons to be king. <laughs> he said, anoint one of them. Well, he didn't know which one it was when he got there. And he saw the first one, and he thought, wow, he looks impressive. You know, he's, he's got great stature and looks kingly and all that, you know. And he said, surely God's anointed. And God went, nope, not that one. And on down through all of, the, all of those sons, and he had a lot of them. And uh, so every time it was, here, what about this one, what about this one? And God didn't tell him which one it was. He kept telling him which one it wasn't. And finally, he's like, well, none of these are measuring up as far as God is concerned. You got any more boys? Because none of them are, none of them are the one God said. Well, there's one, and he's out in the field. We'll bring him back. So when he came, he said, this is, this is the one. Well, God didn't tell him which one it was. He told him which one it wasn't. <laughs> and so in our reliance on God... And you might as well get used to the fact that your brain isn't going to figure things out before God tells you. Amen. And uh, your great ideas and your great things, I mean, there are some things that God plants, obviously God plants them in your heart and, and you think you thought it, but it was really him anyway. Amen. But at the same time, don't ever frustrate yourself thinking when is or what is and where's it going to be, you know. He will lead you into truth. Jesus said in John's Gospel, the 16th chapter, I'm just going to share stuff with you tonight. I'm just going to drop some things off. This is a special meeting where we can talk to, um, we can talk to one another. We can, uh, in a little more intimate setting, uh, it's just like when Jesus spoke to the masses, he spoke to the masses in parables, but to the 70, to the 12, to the ones, to the three, you know, at different times he spoke more intimately with them and explained more things to them. The bulk of what Jesus' teachings are, are when people asked him questions about what he just said to the group. <laughs> For example, in Mark chapter 4, when, uh, and I'll get back to John chapter 16, uh, but in Mark chapter 4, Jesus was talking about sowing the word. Some seed falls here, some seed falls here, and so on, four types of ground. And uh, the, he's just talking to the masses, talking to the, to the large groups of people, and he's talking about farming. And his disciples, when they got together with him by themselves, they went, why are you talking about farming? Why are you talking about sowing seed? He said, how will you know? He said, this is the basis for everything. If you know this, you'll know everything about the kingdom. The sower sows the word. And so it wasn't until he got with his disciples and they started to ask him questions, then did he expound on things and explain more. He said, take heed what you hear and how you hear it. 
Amen. Because there are some things that you could talk to a whole, you could talk to 10,000 people, but they're not going to get what you're going to get tonight. Amen. Because you're here on purpose because there's something on the deep side of you, the deep insides of you calling out to some things that you believe God wants to do in you and through you, not just for you. Amen. Most folks come to church wanting God to do something for them. But tonight is about God doing something through you. Through you. And this really is life. This is life at its fullest, life at its most fulfilling. It is life in its most fun and best adventure when God does something through you for somebody else. If all you ever got before was God doing something for you, you have not experienced life and life more abundantly yet. As soon as God uses you one time, you will be hooked. Ought to be hooked. Amen. You ought to crave it. You ought to want it. You ought to want God to use you any way, every way, all the time that he can. Because it's amazing, praise God, to be used by God. Amen. In any number of ways. So when we come together, we can talk a little bit differently than when we're just everybody together. Tomorrow night will be different. And, and Saturday morning will be different. And the afternoons will be different. And the Saturday night will be different. But tonight it's you. So Jesus said in John chapter 16, he said, I still have many things to say to you. And he said it right before he left. I still have many things to say to you. Aren't you glad he didn't go, well, our time is up. Wish I could have gotten to them all. There just wasn't time. But God never runs out of time. Amen. And I heard somebody say this one time, and I'll never forget it. He said, he said, has it ever occurred to you that nothing has ever occurred to God? Let me say it again. Has it ever occurred to you that nothing has ever occurred to God? In other words, nothing has caught him by surprise where he goes, just goes, oh, didn't think of that. Oh, what are we going to do now? It's not an occurring thing. So nothing catches him by surprise. So when Jesus said, I still have many things to say to you, but you can't bear them now, is what he said. Well, the reason they couldn't bear them yet is because, number one, they weren't born again yet. And the Bible says in 1 Corinthians, the second chapter, natural man cannot receive the things of God. And uh, that is something you have to understand. Natural man cannot receive the things of God, for they are foolishness to him. But there are three types of people, natural man, spiritual man, and carnal man. Don't be carnal man. <laughs> What's carnal man? It's spiritual man acting like natural man. Natural man cannot receive. So Jesus said, I have still many things to say to you, but you can't receive them yet. You can't bear them yet. You, you're not spiritually ready. You're still a natural man. Until you're born again, you can't get it. It's no wonder the stuff that's going on in this world, why people are so in the darkness, right? Because natural man doesn't get it. 
But he went on to say, how be it, when the spirit of truth is come, when the Holy Spirit comes, amen, when you're born again and when the spirit of truth is come, he, not it, he, will guide you into all truth. Somebody say all truth. All truth. All truth. All truth. He will guide you into all truth. So like I said, so many things that we kind of have rolling around on the inside of us and thoughts and plans and wonderings and all this kind of stuff. What, does God want to use me? How does he want to use me? When will he use me? All that kind of stuff. Um, he will guide you into all truth. And so many things that are going on around us in the days that we're in, especially, you've got to realize that God doesn't want to just guide you into biblical truth only. Like just leave God on your spiritual self and your spiritual life. No, he is your life. Amen. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. Not on Sundays, acknowledge him. But in all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. Amen? So he will guide you into all truth, not just church truth. All truth. That's why you can watch television and watch the news and go, are you kidding me? Your head will want to, you know, take sides with some things, but your heart will know what truth is if you listen. Amen? Your heart, because the Holy Spirit lives in your heart, he will guide you into truth if you will listen to him. Amen? So he still has lots of things to say, but he will guide us into truth. Hallelujah. And he will never contradict what is written truth in his word. Amen. So when I say he will guide you into all truth, of course, we know there are always extremes of people saying, God told me this and God told me that and God told me this and God told me to, you know, and, and all the things that they're saying God told them to do is not scriptural. <laughs> Amen. And, and they go, yeah, but God told me. No, he didn't. We'll just go that far. No, he didn't. Well, yes, he, no, he didn't. We have a, an old friend of ours who we ran into in the airport one time and, and uh, hadn't seen him in a long time. He had moved away from where we were living and, and we just ran into him in the airport. And, and so he was just catching up and he said, well, how's so-and-so and how's so-and-so and this other minister that you know? And he said, uh, boy, I always liked him. He says, I, you know, I tithed more to him than I did to my church. And we said, oh, Really? Yeah, I gave, I gave more to him than I, you know. And I, well, I said, well, uh, how, how's that working for you? He says, well, me and God got a deal worked out. I said, oh. And you kind of wanted to go, you think you had a deal worked out. God didn't work on that deal. God already said the first tenth belongs to him. Amen. Bring your tithes to the church. Right? So he's, but he was saying, well, I like this minister better than I liked, so I gave him my, and he says, we got to, me and God got a deal worked out. I said, you know, you want to go, no, you don't. 
You think you do, but it's not according to his word. God's not a deal maker. He didn't make deals. Amen? <laughs> That's for somebody. Anyway, <clears throat> so Pastor Shelley said that there are many things throughout our time in our, in our lives where we just kind of, we know what God said in a certain time in our life, and then we go, where is it? <laughs> Why is it taking so long? Did I hear you right? Did I miss it? Are we still on schedule? Where are we? Anybody in the room ever felt any of that? Probably all of us, right? Okay. Let's just talk about that a little bit. Because God has plans. Amen? The Old Testament, Jeremiah said, I know the plans I have for you. Amen? Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end, a future and a hope, one translation says. Amen? What we first have to all deal with is the fact that God doesn't see time the way we see it. We think linear. We think calendar. We think hours, minutes, weeks, months, future, plans, when, all that. He is a God of order, but time is irrelevant to him. His plan is what's relevant. And there are so many variables, only God can make it all work out. Because if you look at the history of the children of Israel, God had a plan for them. Whenever they got out of the plan, it basically seemed like time stopped. They could be in rebellion for years and years and years and years and years, and God just kind of waited for them. And whenever they'd turn back to him, plan picked back up again. <laughs> it's like, pause. We'll wait till you come back. <laughs> really long commercial breaks. But God never stopped his plan. I know the plans I have for you. When you're ready, we'll pick back up. Amen. And so it was like lots and lots of pauses with Israel. They'd be in, they'd be out. They'd be in, they'd be out. But as soon as they turned back to him, there comes the plan again, moving forward. Praise the Lord. So if you will settle in your heart, what God said is what he means. Amen. For example, the time that Jesus said to his disciples, let's get into a boat and go to the other side of the lake. Simple event that happened in the ministry of Jesus and with the disciples. But if we can glean something from this, get this tonight. We're going to the other side. That's what Jesus said. We're going to the, he didn't say, let's get in a boat and see how far we get. He didn't say, hey guys, we're going to go to the other side, but listen, there's going to be a really big storm. He didn't even tell them, he didn't even tell them about the storm. He could have. But if he did, they'd be going, boy, when's the storm coming? When's the storm coming? Instead of we're going to the other side. What does he want you to focus on? The finished, the result. I'm going to see a victory, right? We sang about it. So he says, we're going to the other side. Well, the storm came up. 
And now these disciples, many of them who were in that boat with him that day, had grown up on the sea. They grew up as fishermen. They were professional people on the water, and they were afraid. So it was probably no small storm, right? They were shaken. And as a matter of fact, Jesus was asleep in the boat, and they all said, Master, we're dying here. Wake up. We don't want you to miss it. We're dying. He, of course, said, calm the storm, and he says, well, how is it that you have no faith? Well, what did he mean by that? How is it you have no faith? How is it that you have no faith? What does that really mean? Not just, why didn't you just, why don't you just, tr- oh, did I just trust you, Jesus? I just trust you. No. The faith was, we're going to the other side. Why? I said so. You have to go by what he said, not how you feel. Not how the thing is making you feel or how he makes you feel. Or it's what he said. What did he say? If he said we're going to the other side, I can stand on that. Yes, amen. amen. So where God's plans are concerned, if he said something to you, whether it was 20 years ago or 10 minutes ago, if he said it, he intends for you to get to that place at some point. Amen. amen. That's his intention for you. And not just his intention, he's already there because he inhabits eternity. So the reason that time is irrelevant in one sense with God is because he inhabits eternity. He lives in, dwells in eternity. Right now, to put it into perspective, you live and dwell in a pew, a little place on the pew. And you're only here right now. You're not here tomorrow morning or tomorrow night. You're here right now. But God's already here tomorrow night. God's already here next week. When Jesus hung on the cross over 2,000 years ago, he was already here. He wasn't going, gee, I hope this lasts till 2020 because that virus is going to (laughs) come. And if the blood runs out in 2020, they're all in trouble. I I sure hope it lasts that, that long. No, he was already here, and he's already tomorrow, and already the next day, he already lives in all of it. So when he says, let's go to the other side, it's not because let's see how far we get. It's because he's already at the other side knowing we're there, which our brains don't really comprehend because we don't think in those terms. We're eternal, but we don't inhabit eternity. (laughs) He inhabits eternity. He is in all time right now. So when you're, when you're you, on your bed going, when, 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 he's like, it's already there. We're already there. Just keep moving forward. Just keep moving forward. Praise the Lord. So let me give you some examples. <clears throat> I just mentioned Samuel, the prophet Samuel. Uh, if you want to look at scripture, in case you think I haven't started preaching because I haven't turned to anything yet. (laughs) First Samuel. Let's look at Samuel's life for a second. First Samuel, chapter 3. Verse 1. 
Now the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no widespread revelation. Wow. And you think now's hard? <laughs> I mean, whoops. Samuel was a boy serving Eli, the, 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 the priest. And it says the word of the Lord was rare. He wasn't even talking much at all. And notice it says the boy, Samuel. The boy, not the man, the boy. The boy, Samuel. And it came to pass at that time, while Eli was lying down in his place, and when his eyes had begun to grow so dim that he could not see, and before the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle of the Lord where the ark of God was, and while Samuel was lying down, the Lord called Samuel and he said, Here I am. So he ran to Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. And he said, I didn't call, lie down again. And he went and lay down. Then the Lord called yet again, Samuel. So Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. He answered, I did not call you, my son, lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him, yet he's hearing him. He doesn't even know how to distinguish the voice of the Lord. Yet God is calling out to an ignorant kid. <laughs> Amen. Amen. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. So he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you did call me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord had called the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down, and it shall be, if he calls you, that you must say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And then the Lord called to him again and told him what was going to happen to Eli, who he was serving. And the things that was going to happen to him because he hadn't been obeying God. And his sons hadn't been obeying God. And the Lord's telling a kid. But now Samuel's not ready to go out and judge the people. He's not ready to go out and begin prophesying. But God's calling him as a young man. Those seeds planted in him hearing the word of the Lord to such a degree. And yet, he's not ready to be used by God for the whole nation. There needs to be other things developed in him, other experiences, other things. He's got to grow up. Come on. Amen. And so there are things in our lives that even though God has said, I want you to do this, it's not tomorrow. There are all kinds of ways to prepare for God to use you. Amen? You've got to be proven. You've got to be trusted. Amen? By him. You've got to be trustworthy around other people. And all of life's experiences can prepare you for all of those things. Not just the good things. Amen? It's not, because it's, when has God ever called all the perfect people? What did Paul say? Not many wise, <laughs> right? Yeah. So, listen, 
everything in our lives can be used if you learn from it. Amen? Not to be identified by it, but to learn from it. Because everything can be used. Praise the Lord. Anybody ever use leftovers to cook? They're not the prettiest parts, right? They're not the freshest things. But you can make some good stuff out of leftovers. Come on, right? You'll use it all up and eat on it for many days. You don't go, well, no, I can't use that anymore. No, God doesn't do that either. The things that we go through, whatever it is, even if it was the devil that took you on some paths. With with the children of Israel, when they disobeyed, they learned. Amen. It wasn't when they were perfect that God said, now I can do something. It's when they were looking at him. When their eyes were on him, and he said, let's pick now. Amen. As long as they were turned toward him, as long as they looked to him, then he could do something. It's when they turned their backs on him. And this is what happens when we go through things in our lives. Sometimes we forget where to look. And it's not until we look again. It's not until we change our direction, until we change our focus, that now God can use whatever it was you just went through. But if you're going to keep your eyes on the thing you went through, if you're going to keep your eyes on the the mistakes or keep looking back, where did I miss it? Where did I go wrong? You're going to be looking in the wrong direction. He's this way. Amen. So there are a lot of variables and what happens in your life and that what things you can handle and when you can handle them. You know, I know, I know some folks now who, um, uh, my age, who are raising their grandkids. I know a a few people who uh, are either raising their grandkids or I know one uh, couple who is raising uh, two of her sister's kids. She wasn't able to to be their mom, and so they adopted two of her sister's kids. Well, her kids are already older, and now she's got little ones again. Another friend, uh, her son, was in a place where he couldn't uh, be the dad that he needed to be, so they adopted his son from infancy. So they're raising their grandson as their own son. And it's different when you're raising kids when you're not growing up with them. (laughs) You're in a different place. And it's amazing how those kids are like little adults when they're raised by older people. <laughs> have you noticed when you've seen people like, you know, that in, in that way where they have a lot of influence with older people? They process things differently. They approach the world differently. They see the world differently because they're not growing up with their mom. So everything that you go through in your life prepares you how to handle other things. So you might think something's taking a long time, but when, you, when it's time to do something, you're on, you're, in your, you're on your A game. You're ready to go. 
you've already made the mistakes and not in front of all the people. Yay! Right? <laughs> My husband and I uh, like to ride motorcycles. And uh, we didn't even get into motorcycles till uh, like uh, maybe 10 years ago. And um, so we're already, you know, 50. And my husband said, you know, it's a good thing I didn't ride motorcycles when I was 30. <laughs> he said, I feel like I'm starting to ride a motorcycle when I'm a responsible adult. <laughs> I have respect for some things, you know. I'm not going to take the same risks that maybe somebody would at a younger age because, you know, right? So all of these things come into play, ladies, in ministry. You think you want to get out of the out of the shoot and run and go, you know, go for it. But you ought to be thankful for life experience along the way. Because like I said, we're talking about God moving through you to someone else. As ministers and as in ministry, we represent God to people. That's a responsibility. Amen. You want to represent him to people. And so there, there, when you understand that responsibility, now it's not just like, well, you know, you just want to have fun and serve, and I just want to be involved in ministry. I just, I just want people to look at me. I just want, you know, no, you don't. You really don't. <laughs> because they're looking. And they're not just looking when you're up here. They're looking at everything. Is everything available? Because our lives are trans, you're not your own. Once you answer a call to God, you are not your own. You don't get days off from him and responsibility. Yes, you get vacations and those kinds of things, but you're never off, off. Can I get a witness, Pastor Shelley? Can I get a witness, Miss Doreen? <laughs> Amen, she knows. You're on. And so sometimes people are like, I, well, I, I want to teach. I want to, I want to, you know. <laughs> but it's not about you. It's about people. And representing God to people. Amen. So Samuel was a kid. But it wasn't for years that then he began to be used by God to prophesy to people. Same thing happened to Jesus himself. <laughs> When he came into this world, he was an infant, a baby. Can you imagine? The Bible says he humbled himself and became a servant, became like he became one of us. Amen? Would it not have been easier for him to just be, you know, just manifest as a full-grown man? I'm God. But he came as an infant. He was already all God in heaven. One with God. Father, Son, Holy Spirit have always been. Amen? When he came as a human, that wasn't his first, his first, you know, he's always been God. But he came as a baby. His mother had to change his diapers. God. had to put himself in the hands of Mary, amen, to raise him, 
to teach him things, right? He had to develop. He was God the whole time. He laid aside that deity to become one of us and at 12 discovered really who he really was. Right? We have our first real, intro, a real introduction to him when he was 12 years old and they were in Jerusalem and uh, he was left behind or he stayed behind. And when they went to find him, he said, didn't you, didn't you know I'd have to be about my father's business? He knew who he was. He knew his purpose. And yet, he stayed obedient to the plan of God and didn't do one thing until he was baptized by John and the Holy Spirit came on him. And then he still showed his restraint when Mary said, they're out of wine. And he said, my, my time has not yet come. My hour has not yet come. Well, it had come that day. She was close, right? But he knew exactly where he was and when he was there. He didn't get anxious. He didn't get in a hurry. You never heard anything from the time he was 12 to the time he was 30, how he was just like, I can't wait to get in the ministry. I just can't wait. Oh, I just, ah, oh, why don't they know who I am? Why don't they know who I am? The Bible says he grew in stature and in favor with God and with man. All of that time, preparation, all of that, everything, he used all of that in ministry. Praise God. Amen. So you could say the Lord told him, let's go to the other side. <laughs> yeah, there's going to be 30 years of nothing. And then three years of... <laughs> and even then, he knew why he was there. Amen. To do ultimately what? Pay the entire price for the sin of all mankind in a horrible death. And yet, he did not spend those three years of ministry with his head down going, man, I'm here to die. I'm, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. It's going to be horrible. Oh, my. Oh, no. Oh, somebody needs healing. I know, but I'm going to die. It's what I have to do for God is so strong on me. People get that way. Come on. You don't understand what I have to do for God. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, when you're fasting, wash your face, brush your hair. Don't do anything to, to appear to men unto fast. Just do it you and God. Oh, we're just, we're, just, we're just sacrificing everything for God. <laughs> so you're not the only one who's heard some things or have some stirrings in your heart. Amen. But for, we know, such a time as this, God's timing, right, 
is perfect. And yet we do have, we don't just wait while that timing. We don't just sit back and do nothing and wait for him to do something. Our lives are completely yielded to him always so that at any time you're not caught by surprise. Amen. Let me tell you some of my testimony. And uh, some of you here at this church have heard me tell parts of it when we've been here before. But uh, I grew up here uh, in this area, and um, our first house was just not far from the old church building, kind of just around the corner there in Wauwatosa. And uh, I guess now it's Milwaukee. It used to be Wauwatosa. But is it? Uh, So 11046 West Cortland Avenue. That was my address. And uh, so... um, I was in kindergarten, five years old, and we were Lutheran. We were not born again Lutheran. We were just kind of Lutheran, kind of. My brother and sister and I would go to Sunday school when our parents made us, and um, we kind of would try to be really quiet on Sunday morning so they wouldn't wake up and send us to Sunday school. And uh, But they would send us, and occasionally they would go with us to church. And um, But anyhow... Uh, I was five years old, went to kindergarten in the morning, came home, had uh, lunch with my mom, and then she would uh, put me down for a nap, and she would watch soap operas. And uh, while I was taking my nap at five years old, I had either a dream or a vision. Couldn't tell you which one it was. It was just real. And at five years old, I saw uh, a woman singing, and I heard her sing. And I heard a man's voice say, that's you when you're older. He said, but you can't sound like that right now because you're just a little girl. He said, but I've given you a voice. Praise the Lord. Well, I don't know how I knew, but I knew it was God. We didn't know him as a family. We weren't born again. But like Samuel, here I am, Lord. He wasn't, he wasn't aware of the voice of God. He hadn't heard the voice of God. Not anybody had really heard the voice of God then in Samuel's time. Right? It was rare, the Bible said. And yet, it was God. So I knew something. It was indelible in my heart at five years old. So here's how the Lord used what he showed me. The singing and the voice for me was what led me into the plan of God. I always sang. My, my, my kindergarten teacher wrote on my, on my uh, little report card, Annie loves to entertain all the other little kids by making up songs. And my nap time was under the piano. I mean, everything was music. And that's what led me and kept me in the direction that what he showed me just kept me moving towards music. So uh, we all, my whole family got born again around 1970 as a charismatic move. And we all got born again right around the same time and then filled with the Holy Spirit. We were still living here in this area. We were over in Elm Grove by then. And uh, yet at the same time, still didn't know anything about the call of God. And uh, as Pastor Shelley said about even like women in ministry, if the Lord had told me he called me to preach, I wouldn't have known what that meant. At five years old, I could relate to the singing part having not been born again, having not been around any ministry, and let alone in 1966, women in ministry. 
There really weren't many. Catherine Coleman was one of them. So I wouldn't have known what he meant if he said, you're, you're called to preach. Wouldn't have made any sense. But the singing gave me a direction. And he used it. So then all through my school years, I sang and was involved in music and all kinds of stuff, school plays and all that. And then finally, uh, after high school, I was going to take a year off before college. And uh, so I never went to college. I took a year off, and it's been 41 years now. <laughs> so I took 41 years off. And, uh, but I started to travel with a Christian music ministry, again, just following the singing part. That's all I knew was the singing part. And so uh, that then led me. I was in a group for a while. That's where I met my husband. And then we went to Bible college. We went to Rama in Tulsa. And while we were at Rama, we got to be involved with Brother Hagen's ministry. And we were hired to be in their band and their singing group. And so there we were right there. Now we're right at the feet of really a leading prophet. And so we were there for, uh, we worked for them for 10 years. But when I was 25 years old, we were in a crusade and, um, uh, in, in Chicago, and I was leading worship in a morning service. And while I was leading worship in that morning service, I saw what I saw when I was five. I saw the lady. It was me. <laughs> same clothes, same everything. It was like deja vu, but spiritual. I saw what I saw when I was five. And so I think to myself, I think, when, when I was five years old, God showed me me with Kenneth Hagin. Now, he didn't say, I'm going to call you, you're going to work for Kenneth Hagin, you're going to, what, that wouldn't have made any sense. Why would he tell me any of that? But the, but the, imprint in my heart led me in the direction. You see? 20 years. 20 years. Like I said, when he says, let's go to the other side, it's because he's already there. When I saw what I saw when I was five, it was an event in the plan of God. It wasn't just a suggestion. That's you when you're older. It really was me when I was older. When he shows you something, it's not a suggestion. It's not a, this could be a possibility. He's already there. Do you see it? He's already there. So it's still available. If you haven't seen it yet, it's still there in the heart and in the plan and in the mind of God. Amen. Everybody say, he's there. He's already there. Glory to God. Amen. So I was 25 when I saw it. I thought, what, 20 years had passed. My goodness. <laughs> and then, on top of that then, then, over the course of time, God put some other things in me, not just the singing part, but the teaching and the preaching and the other things, which is really what he meant when he said, I've given you a voice. He didn't just mean a singing voice. He meant an influence. A voice in the earth. Well, again, I wouldn't have known that at five years old. But everything in the last, so I'm 59, so in the last 54 years, 
and I'm still not yet. So you could go, I'm almost 60. (laughs) But still exactly on course. Exactly on course. And as long as your heart is open to him, so is yours. And if you've been focused on the inside going, where did I go? Where did I go? Where did, what did I do? Then you're not focused on him. And there's a big pause button. You get your eyes on him. Amen. And he can use every bit, every moment. Don't be on pause with God. Allow him to use every moment of your life for what's propelling you forward. Amen. Let me read to you. um, Is everybody okay? I want to read this to you. This is from a friend of mine who is a missionary in Samoa and um, really all over the South Pacific. Um, She heads up what's called Uttermost Ministries. And um, she said this about Philippians, the fourth chapter and the 13th verse which probably all of us can quote, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. Amen. But I like this, and I want to read it from her because I think she says it really well. Uh, She's talking about using Scripture for its highest intended purpose. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me is so many times applied for self-control in the area of sin, laziness, relationship issues, food, and every, anything and everything that seems a bit challenging. She says, I've used it for exercise, ha-ha. Again, Paul was not struggling with sin, laziness, trying to run a mile, trying not to take drugs. He was talking about faithfulness to the job God gave him. Obeying God, whether he had a lot of money or no money, a place to sleep or no place to sleep, in prison or out of prison, I can do this through him. There is power toward me at this level of commitment to ministry. He was past the point of using the grace of God to control the lusts of the flesh. Let me say it again. He was past the point of using the grace of God to control the lust of the flesh. He used it to obey every detail of God's call on his life. Not everyone is in this place of self-control. But I want you to see someone who was there and how they changed the world while they were there. It's possible for us to get there here on earth. We don't use this verse to overcome addiction Use 1 Corinthians, the ninth chapter for that, which is talking about disciplining your own body. He is not talking about needing help for a reprobate lifestyle. He stated that this truth over his completely orderly, obedient, faithful, correct life and applied it to the powerful ministry that only this kind of sacrifice produces. Me quoting this verse over running one mile or to keep myself from eating the whole cake is a mockery of the position Paul was speaking from and the stature he had achieved in Christ. I better read that again. She said, me quoting this verse over running a mile or to keep myself from eating the whole cake is a mockery of the position Paul was speaking from and the stature he had achieved in Christ. I can do what God told me to do is different from I can keep myself from drinking too many beers. These things don't even compare. 
But like I said, if the verse helps you at that level, use it. <laughs> but understand, Paul is so far above that level in life. My not eating too much chocolate cake victory story does not deserve a side-by-side -side comparison to his obedient in prison story. So, as he wrote this super famously quoted verse, petty physical lust of the flesh type sin was not the issue facing him. He had stopped sinning, had put his body under, buffeted, and controlled that part of his life. He did this so he could spend all of his time doing what God told him to do, not spend his entire Christian experience on earth praying and asking God to help him not sin anymore. <laughs> Are you getting this? Huge difference. I hope you can see. Can you imagine if Paul spent his entire time on earth asking God to help him not sin? Where would his ministry be? Who would he affect if his entire life was trying not to sin? When would he write two-thirds of the New Testament? Christianity is not a lifestyle of trying not to sin until we are out of here and get to heaven. It is a life of overcoming sin while we are here and doing great things for God while we are here. Let us elevate our walk with God on earth and stop having to use these verses for sin rescue and self-control when they truly are written for the successful execution of the call of God on our lives. For example, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. She said, we will take the Pacific Islands for Christ by the grace of God. Sounds so much better than I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm not going to eat that entire chocolate cake today. <laughs> I encourage you to come up higher. Yes, the word of God works for everything you are going through, but life is not for habitually struggling to control sin until we die. The Bible was recorded for absolutely conquering sin quickly and completely, winning in our lives, ministering to others, and bringing them into this victorious place while on earth too. If overcoming and winning is available on earth, I will take it. Praise God. Amen. She goes on a little bit longer, but I think it's important to see this from the perspective of, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Do this in your quest for obeying God in ministry, obeying God in whatever he told you to do, not just in overcoming the earthly desires for things. Wasn't that good? He intends to empower you to do his will. He's not just asking you to do something for him. The Bible says it is God in me, amen? He infuses his strength in me, both to will and to do of his good purpose. When we're surrendered to him, really surrendered to him, he empowers us to do it. There isn't probably a week that goes by where I don't also, in my own mind, go, God, what were you thinking <laughs> calling me? I don't know if anybody I've ever respected or looked up to and who has accomplished many things in God, I don't know that they don't all have those same thoughts. They, thoughts come and go. Amen? The Bible tells you what to do with them. Take them captive. Just because you thought a thing doesn't mean you're right. Don't elevate your brain that high. I thought it must be right. 
If it doesn't line up with scripture, it's to be taken captive. And the enemy never stops accusing the brethren. You don't get to a level where all of a sudden he goes, well, I guess it's hands off from now on. They're just too called. I don't need to mess with them anymore. There will always be thoughts of inadequacy. There will always be thoughts that somebody's doing it better than me. There's always thoughts that somebody's going to do it quicker than me. Somebody's going to do it more organized than me, with more professionalism than me, with more anything than me. Somebody's going to do it better than me. But they're not you. And he needs you. Amen. If he called you, he intends for you to go to the other side. He didn't get, remember, nothing has ever occurred to God. He didn't call you and they go, oh man, I really, I shouldn't have. Because they're just, they just, just never quite get it. No. But the thoughts will be there that that's what he's thinking. But he's not thinking that. I know the thoughts I think of you. He already told us what he's thinking about us. I know the thoughts that I think, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. So if those thoughts are coming to you, they're not from him. God, I know I keep messing up. He's not going, oh, yeah, I know. No matter what level you are at, in your walk with God, the devil will keep trying to stop you at that level. I have many, 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 many times asked the Lord, why would you call somebody like me? I do everything at the last minute. And I have all my life. I'm a deadline girl. This is why I don't have titles before messages. (laughs) I'm going to go over here where I'm loved right now. But here's an encouraging word. Here's exactly. We get it done. Not when somebody wants us to or not before somebody, but when it's necessary, we get it done. And this is what I asked the Lord. Why? Would you call me? Every term paper I ever wrote was the night before. I've never, you know, used to have uh, 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 day timers. Remember day timers? Before you used your phone for everything. Day timers. People would give me journals and day timers. January, a couple of weeks would be filled in. Nothing after that. Plan? Are you serious? Like put something down for June? I don't know about June. It's February. I'm not in June. I don't know what I'm going to do tomorrow. I'm being honest. My mother-in-law came one day to visit, and she told my husband, she goes, you're just so blessed, and he's so organized, and and we laughed. We laughed. I said, you do not know your son, do you? He's the organized one. His desk is always cleared. Mine is stacked, just stacked. God, why? Why would you call somebody like me? Why? Why, why, why? Anybody want to know what he said? 
He said, because I know you'll cram till the end. We're in the last days, ladies. He needs some crammers. He needs some crammers. Amen? We get to be used by God. Even the way we are. Praise God. Husband, all good. Did you write it down? Nope, it's right here. But did you write it? No, I didn't write it down. It's right here can only use that excuse so many times, but we're still married after 39 years, so that's good. But there will always be thoughts. You will always have to deal with them. They don't go away until you take them captive and make them obedient to Christ. You can't think away thoughts. You have to speak to them. You have to address them. The more you just, you just stay inward and think them away, think them away, think them away, you will get more and more depressed. Because that's not how you deal with them, according to the word. You have to speak to them, you have to deal with them, and you have to get rid of them. Amen. And you'll get rid of them, and the next day, whoops, there they are again. And you go, yeah, I know what to do with this. And then it gets easier and easier to deal with it. And you don't have to let it get you. You don't, let, you don't have to let it have you anymore. Amen? But you've got to learn to address them. Amen. And I am still amazed that people think I am some super confident person because, naturally speaking, I wouldn't be. But I've learned to know him and who he is in me. And I've learned to let that dominate me. Praise God. And when you let it dominate you, you can walk 10 feet tall in any room at any time. And anybody can throw anything at you and you're like, God and I got this. And you can be like Paul, nothing moves me. Amen. And then tomorrow you're all by yourself going, well, I got to get that again. But it only takes a second. It doesn't take a million years anymore. Amen. Hallelujah. Are you getting anything tonight? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I know we've already been here a good while tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Pastor Shelley, how far am I supposed to go? <laughs> Glory to God. It's already 9.30. When we get a hold of even just some of these things. Again, we're, I'm just, just trying to be intimate with you tonight. It's not a sermon. It's just an encouragement. But we've got to start somewhere. Amen. You've got to realize that you're not alone. You've got to realize you're not the only one who's had the thoughts. Amen. Everybody has them at different places and different times. But at the same time, 
in order to accomplish more for God. Again, not just for yourself, not just so that you're confident. I know the rest of these meetings will address those more inner issues, you know, as a, as a, as a whole. But for ministry women, I'm not quite ready for that yet, but thank you. For ministry women, um, in order to go forward and do things for God, you're going to have to settle the inner issues before anything really supernatural can come from you. Because uh, the Bible says in James, the fifth chapter, Elijah was a man subject to like passions as we are. And he prayed that it wouldn't rain for three years, and then he prayed and it did rain. He said he was just like us, a man subject to like passions as we are. If you'll remember in his ministry, uh, remember the prophets of Baal, and he said, the God who answers by fire, let's serve him. This is one of those times in the, in the history of the children of Israel where they weren't obeying God and it was a pause. And he said, how are you going to falter between two opinions? If God is God, serve him, right? So he says, how about the God who answers by fire, let's serve him. So you know the story, right? The event. They all hollered and shouted and all that and nothing happened. And then Elijah, you know, God answered by fire, Right? Well, right after that, right after that, he's like, I'm the only one left. <laughs> he just had a major demonstrated victory, miracle of miracles, slew 400 prophets of Baal, and then Jezebel hears about it and goes, well, I'm going to kill you now. And he goes, ah! ran for his life from her. Just proved God answered by fire. And a woman says, I'm going to kill you. And he's like, <laughs> runs for his life. Runs out into the wilderness and then asks God to kill him. I don't want her to kill me. You do it. Every level, ladies, every level, there's going to be something that wants to get you to quit. And Elijah, the Lord led him out. And he said, go to the mountain, you know. Angels sustained him and all that. Now here he is going up to the mountain of God. The wind wasn't God. God wasn't in the wind. He wasn't in the earthquake. wasn't in the fire. But he was in the still, small voice. Right? God spoke to him and said, get up. You're not the only one. I got 7,000 more like you. <laughs> You know, always be tempted to think, I'm, I'm, I'm the only one feeling this. But the point being, after that, then Elisha served him, and then things progressed. But supernatural things need to be done in the earth. And in order for God to move through you, you're going to have to settle this other issue stuff. Or there will never be a demonstration to the world who God is. It'll just be people trying not to eat cake. <laughs> and using Philippians 4.13 to get over COVID. And to just get over their family strife issues. 
or to run a mile or to do all the, and it's petty stuff in comparison to what the world needs. The Bible says all of earth is groaning for a manifestation of the sons of God. That's us. We're sons. Yes, we're women, but we're sons of God. We have the same rights as a son. Amen. There's no male or female in the New Testament, the Bible says, in the spirit, right? So in order for God to do supernatural things, this is where we have to get out of the way. And we're very aware of us. We're too dominated by our minds, our flesh, our surroundings, the world, all this stuff that just wants to melt in and wants to blend in with everything we're doing. And if that's the case, we're going to be only thinking this earthly stuff and never do anything supernatural for God. We're made to be supernatural. We're made for signs and wonders to be done by our hands. Amen? When is that going to happen? When we stop looking at ourselves so much. And just trying to get over ourselves all the time. Oh my God, I'm not good enough. I don't know. There's no place for that in women in ministry. There's no place for it. You've got to deal with it and get on with it. Amen? Or nothing supernatural is going to come out of your life. So in my testimony, I'll go ahead. Because Pastor Shelley referred to a little bit of this. <clears throat> and I only have you for one night like this. Praise the Lord. So I knew that I was called, you know, the singing part led me. And I was working with Brother Hagin's ministry. And then uh, I found out the Holy Spirit put some things inside of me to teach and to preach. And so I began to be used in that way. And, um, but at the same time, I, I worked with Brother Hagen, and he laid hands on the sick all the time. And many times then he would demonstrate, the Holy Spirit would demonstrate that he didn't just use men, he used women. Brother Hagen would lay his hands on my hands and then tell me to minister to the sick. Well, over the course of time, uh, he didn't have to lay hands on me anymore. He, that anointing would just be on me. It was by this working with him. Right? Working with him like Elisha serving Elijah and so on and different things, that then just by that association, that anointing came on me, same anointing. And he would often say it, Annie's got the same healing anointing I've got. And so we ministered that way with him for many years. Well, one day he came into my office when we worked at Ramah. And he came in, and it was uh, 1991. He came into my office. And uh, he sat down, and he had never come into my office before, ever. And, I mean, we'd talked different times, but he'd never come into my office. So he came into my office, and he sat down. And uh, Brother Hagin was also very shy. He was not confrontational or anything, and so you kind of had to get him talking. And so I brought up a few things to get him talking, and, and finally uh, he, I was asking him, you know, am, am I doing an okay job for you? Am I helping you right? He says, yeah, you do a good job. And he said, uh, you don't call attention to yourself. That's good. He said, this is my ministry. We were in the helps ministry at the time. And uh, he said, but you know, 
He said throughout all of history, and really, in, and he said in, through all of this century, this is the, in 1991, and, uh, and the last century, he says, God has always had a woman to demonstrate that he doesn't just use men, he uses women. He's always had an outstanding woman evangelist out front with a strong healing anointing to demonstrate some things. To demonstrate, everybody say demonstrate. Demonstrate some things. God is in the manifestation business. He is in the demonstration business. He is not just in the teaching business. Amen? He is not just in the lecturing business. And so if he's going to demonstrate, he's got to do it through people. He doesn't just fall lightning down on people and go, I am God. He uses people. So Brother Hagin said God has always had a woman out front. And he mentioned and he said uh, there was Marie Woodworth Edder. There was Amy Simple McPherson. There was Catherine Coleman. He said it's about time for another one. And he said it just might be you. Well, that's not something you hear every day. Not something that had ever crossed my mind. Not something I ever wanted. Not something I ever desired. I didn't want to go, oh, God, please make me a famous healing evangelist. I was a five-year-old girl over in Wauwatosa, and the Lord spoke to me. And I served. I served. I served. I served. I served. was happy serving. So he said, it just might be you. Well, that hit me like a, you know, I didn't know what to do with it. And I wanted to, at that time, I wanted to just start researching all these women, you know. I mean, you know, I knew something about them. But the Holy Spirit spoke up on the inside of me and said, don't do it. Don't do it. Because when you follow, when you follow a certain ministry or you follow certain people, you will not only get their good stuff, you'll get their bad stuff. And every one of those women either had tragedy or scandal. So the Lord said, I hooked you up with Brother Hagin, follow him. So I did. Didn't read a biography, didn't read a book. I knew things, but I didn't go study them because that's not who I was supposed to follow. So I didn't tell anybody what Brother Hagin said. I didn't tell my husband what Brother Hagin said to me in my office that day. We went out into our own ministry in 1992 and had been ministering for a couple of years then on our own. And we were in uh, Miami, Florida in 1994. And Brother Hagen called me up to minister to me. And at that time, now he talked to me in 1991. We'd been ministering for three years on our own. And I'm going, was that right what he said? Was that, was he just talking? Was that really to me? And all those thoughts were, why don't, was it, is, uh, yeah, nah, did he's just saying somebody, did he mean me? Did he, I, you know, I don't, you know. And um, so we went to this meeting in Miami, and I was just thinking to myself, God, I need to hear something. <laughs> but I don't want to hear it from just somebody who just goes, oh, you know, oh, thus saith the Lord, everything he said to you will come to pass. Anybody can say that. Because it's true. What the Lord said is going to come to pass. Amen. But I knew I needed to hear something from Brother Hagen because he knew what we talked about. He wouldn't lead me on. He knows me, right? So he called me up and said some very specific things about that once again. 
He says, I've been looking through the body of Christ for a woman. And he went on and on and on. And, and then Miss Shelley, she heard him say it, some of the same things in Colorado. I've got that recorded as well. But even that was in 1994. What year are we in? It's not overnight. It's not overnight. And some things, the world isn't in a place yet. Amen? But he wants to move through people to demonstrate things, not just to teach things. Amen? And if anybody's interested, he's not all, he's not, doesn't just use one person. <laughs> that person is just supposed to demonstrate that he wants to use everybody. So anybody who is interested in God manifesting through you to help people. Amen? Amen. Listen, take him seriously. (laughs) Sell out to Jesus. Let him show himself strong through you. Amen? You don't have to make things happen on your own. You just need to be completely surrendered and sold out and yielded to him and use these scriptures like, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me to strengthen you in your walk toward what God has for you to do. I may be talking to one person in here. I may be talking to ten. But it's important that we all obey God with what he called us to do. And even if he, you think he's only called you to do a little thing, he hasn't shown you everything yet. Amen. Amen? There's still more. There's more time. Praise God. And there's more yet to be revealed. Hallelujah. So first things first, serve. Serve. When Elijah threw his mantle on Elisha, when he was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, God said, go, Eli- go anoint Elisha to be prophet in your place. So he threw his mantle on him when he was plowing with those yoke of oxen. And the Bible says that Elisha followed him and became his servant. Even though that mantle came on him to be a prophet, he was his servant. That's what got him to be prophet. God had already called him, but he served. He served. That's what we did. We served. You've served. <laughs> Amen. And success will come if you serve and you do it with all your heart. So every one of us can do that. And if you serve wholeheartedly and faithfully, God can reward and God can promote and God will get you ready because if you can serve another person's ministry, it will set you up because you can learn, amen, even when you don't like something, even when you don't agree with something, but you do what you're told to do or asked to do, when you do that kind of stuff, you are submitting to God, you're submitting to those in authority, you can watch how things play out, and when you're in authority, you'll go, oh, that's why. Amen? Amen. Serve.
everything, anything. I ironed the Hagen's clothes, not because they asked me to, but because it needed to be done. And I would have been fine doing it forever. But do it with all your heart. Do it with all your might. Praise God. When you get to do things like in this conference, when you're greeting at the door, serving. When you're helping me at my table, serving. If you're working in the nursery, serving. If you're ushering, serving. If you're praying, serving. Everything is serving. And you can't go wrong if you do it with all your heart. Amen. Praise the Lord. Father, thank you tonight. Now you can play. Thank you. Father, thank you tonight for dropping some things off in our heart. You want to do so much more. So much more in the earth. But it takes people to do it. Father, we ask you tonight, as words have been spoken in this place, so let it be also spoken in the hearts of people all over the world that will wake up to the call of God on their lives, who will surrender completely and wholly, fully to your plan. We pray, Lord of the harvest, to raise up laborers for your harvest field. Send laborers, Lord. That means us. We'll go. We'll go. Like Samuel, here I am, send me. But Father God, we pray for women all over the globe tonight who are called according to your purpose, that they will take the call, that they will answer their call and do what they're supposed to do in these last days because it's going to take all of us together, men and women alike. It's going to take all of us together to accomplish what you have sent your body to accomplish because we're all part of your body. So let every part do its part. Every part equally significant, though every part does not have the same responsibility. But yet, Father God, we surrender to you tonight. And we pray that you would raise up those that you want to raise up in these last days. In Jesus' name. And in these next few services that we have together, Father, you're calling other ones. Ones who haven't even known yet your voice. But they're called. You've called them. Help them to hear you as never before. Clearly. Clearly. In Jesus' name we ask it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus.